listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. Today I've got a very, very special guest, someone who is a longtime music teacher, a third generation music teacher to be precise, but who has also ventured into creating his own online platform, which is helping hundreds, if not thousands of people, music teachers specifically, all around the world. So inviting to the podcast to share a wealth of knowledge on dozens of different topics, Eric Brenner. It's great to finally have you on the podcast. Welcome, Eric. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's absolutely fantastic to have you. So, Eric, you're someone I've seen plenty of online, but haven't met you formally until about 10 minutes ago, and we've already hit it off great. So, let's keep that rolling with the podcast. Now, I always see you. You always got a great big smile on your face. You're always offering really, really good advice for people. And it's awesome to see how you're positively contributing to the guitar teaching society and you know music teachers in general. Is this sort of personality something you've developed uh, naturally or is it something you put effort into, you know, becoming this kind of person as an entrepreneur? Wow. Well, that's a, that's a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked before, but so thanks. You know, I, I think that there's, kind of, there's a combination in that I really enjoy the work. Uh, I, I, am, I am a deeply, profoundly uh, grateful person for the profession of teaching music. You know, it's kind of what saved my life growing up. I watched my grandfather doing it and watched him build an amazing community around teaching music over the 40 years that I saw him do it. And so it's something I really believe in. And it's something I feel like has gone through a real, uh, a real renaissance in the last like decade, right? Whereas people have become more and more connected to devices, uh, people have really sought out connection, a lot of it through music, right? And learning music and mastering a topic and connecting with people and communicating. So yeah, I, I, it's something I really enjoy authentically. And yeah, and, I, and, and the flip side of it is that, yeah, it's running a startup and a tech company is intense and you kind of have to stay positive because every day there's all these massive ups and downs that come with it. I'm sure like just like anybody else. Uh, and I've kind of adopted my mom's, uh, has a very positive outlook. And that's kind of become my way of both coping and navigating through the day-to-day of doing this type, type of work. Yeah. And one thing I've noticed, not that I have a huge team of staff, but generally as music teachers or musicians, we're more generally art focused. But when we get into a business sense, we can be really out of our depth, you know, just managing ourselves or managing one other person and admin, but let alone having a whole tech team behind us and customer service and a whole bunch of other things. So Maybe for the listeners who don't know as much about you, give us a brief overview of your story so far and how you've gone from a, you know, a guitar teacher to a tech startup guy and built your platform forms. Sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, my background is, uh, like I just said before, I, I, I'm a musician, a guitar player. Uh, I was a classical guitar player was my, was, was my real big thing. That's what I studied in school, but I really loved all styles. Uh, and I live here in Seattle, Washington. And... I opened up a music school here. Uh, my wife's an actor, and we ran that for a long time together and just had a great life, you know, where we figured out how to uh, make a great living doing it. I also have a business background. Uh, my dad was a serial entrepreneur, uh, and I really picked that up from him as well. Uh, so those two things merged for me, where I really was passionate about building a really great business out of doing music, uh, and teaching was at the heart of it. And uh, about seven years ago, I, being in Seattle, being in a tech hub, I was kind of seeking something different from the universe. I was thinking maybe I'd go back and get a master's. I was thinking about law school or getting an MBA. Uh, and I had an opportunity to start Fonz, which uh, Fonz means wellspring of knowledge in Latin. And Fonz is basically the con- initial conception of it was to automate all the stuff that we did in running my music school. 
and uh, to create an app around that that would basically, you know, the, the goal of it's to get rid of invoicing, automate all the payments, uh, and just make a sleek way of doing what I was doing then. And I was very fortunate to come across a major tech leader in the community, kind of a household name in Silicon Valley, uh, and was mentored more or less and invested in and was able to put together a team and learn how to build a technology company. And I've been doing that ever since and still teaching too. But my kind of goal and my reason to be is much like you has been elevating that profession of teaching music to where other people are doing because I see the value in it and how important it is uh, and helping people earn better livings. And I do it through building a technology platform for them to run their businesses on. Yeah, fantastic. And obviously, every big breakthrough that I've had has been sort of promoted by having some coaching or finding out knowledge from someone who has it or has done what I wanted to do. So how essential was having you know mentoring or some coaching along various steps of your journey? Oh, my gosh. It was huge because, I mean, I, I remember going to when we first started, the initial concept was I knew nothing about technology. And I'd be in these rooms with uh, engineers, designers, uh, developers, and we'd be, they'd basically say, they were trying to interview me to see how we were going to do this. And I'd say, hey, this is, this is what we want to do. And they'd be like, that's not what you mean. So they, they sent me out on this you know, research mission to talk with other people because I thought I knew it all, right? And then quickly I realized I didn't. And then I just kind of, my, my mantra for the first few years was like, I can play a Bach fugue on the guitar. I can do that. I can figure out how to run this thing, right? And, you know, I just really kind of learned how to swim, but had uh, the, the greatest kind of mentorship that knew how many mistakes to let me make before stopping me, right? And I was surrounded with a really great team of people that, we're constantly doing that, that we're investing in me over the long term and wanted to see this vision come to fruition, but also knew when to put the brakes on. And they're like, oh, that's too big of a mistake. You can't do that. Right. So I was very grateful. Um, and it, it can't be done, at least not without huge repercussions. Uh, you know, any t- you know, I think we both agree on this too, is the, the value of great coaching, of great mentorship, of great people to learn from. You know, or it's really wonder because a book doesn't always do it, right? Because our if we're doing something new, there are specific things that people with expertise need to uh, help guide us, right, and help navigate us. So that was my experience, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it was lots of fun and a very interesting concept that they let you make enough mistakes before stepping in. I think that's something um, we teachers can learn from. And just reflecting my old practice and, and coaching some of the other teachers is not trying to jump on every single mistake the minute it happens and just observing and letting the student run their course and giving them the opportunity to one, identify their own mistakes, but two, not be trying to fix so many things at the same time that, you know, nothing gets solved or they focus on the little things rather than the important things. So did you ever like uh, learn your own measurement or or way of, okay, I made a mistake, better not do that one again, or are you still in this process (laughs) of just trying to figure it out like many of us are? You know, I think in this moment, uh, uh, what it's, it's changing because we have different levels. As the organization grows and there's more people involved, there's more investors involved, uh, you know, the fundamentals are the same, though. It's like being in a band, right? You have to take really good care of the people that you're working with, make sure you're all sharing the same vision. Uh, and that's whether it's you're by yourself or with, with in, your, in a large organization of people. Yeah, I, I heard a really great quote the other week. Uh, my son's a really really into basketball. And I heard a coach say something that's like, you know, you have a thousand mistakes to make, maybe a million mistakes to make, just go out and make as many as you can. And I thought it was such, I heard that and I was like, oh, it's such a great way to teach kids to be like, yeah, like you're saying, go make some mistakes, figure it out, get it done. And with keeping a goal in mind, right, of where, of where you want to get. And that applies to our musicianship, our teaching, our businesses. Uh, and those things are all, they're so intertwined. And that's the big thing that I found is I am feeling creative joy from building a company uh, because it's a similar thing. You're bringing something into reality, just like playing guitar, right? It, it scratches that same itch. And musicians are good at it. You know, we didn't learn that acumen growing up, but we can really figure it out, right? And we can thrive in that environment because we're creative, which so many people in business aren't. 
So it's a, it's a it's a great advantage actually I think over time for anybody that's thinking about starting something new. Yeah, and I think on the back of the you know the last two years that we've had with uh, the lockdowns and things, a lot of people have uh, you know great ideas they want to do, but very few people you know execute. So maybe a little bit off topic here, but out of all the great ideas you have, how do you know which ones to pursue and which ones to leave? That's an art form, right? Editing. Uh, I, I I recently read a thing that you know out of all the people that use the internet. Like 0.01% create anything, right? Now, we, you and I are musicians and we probably see all of our friends creating content, putting up YouTube videos or doing something on TikTok. But that's because we're hanging out with creators, right? And the reality is that most people are not using the internet to create. They're using it to consume. And it's an important thing, especially if you hang out with a bunch of creators. So focus uh, and editing, they're huge skills to learn but they come after just doing, right? Which, and I think the step one is just getting in the habit of doing. Like if you're a guitar teacher and you're going to start putting up, you know, instructional videos, it's like put one up every week on the schedule. Uh, and then, you know, Seth Godin had this great thing. I think he was, I think it was in a, um, you may, and you may have heard this is he was doing a symposium with uh, Juilliard students, right? Have you heard this, this no, hundred day challenge? So Seth Godin, who is somebody who I, I definitely was influenced by his, his marketing ideas was talking to these Juilliard grads about saying, Hey, what I want you to do is, is you're going to put up a video every day for a hundred days, right? It doesn't matter what it is, but every day you're going to post something. And what's going to happen is the challenge was after 30 days, you start to see what works, right? You're like, Oh my gosh, I thought this great performance was going to really get a lot of engagement. No one cared. But I did this weird thing about how to put rosin on my violin strings and I got like 10,000 views on it. Right. And so our path becomes defined by first doing and then observing where, what the market is interested in, what the people you're trying to reach, you know, who, they, what, who engages with it. And then you hone in on what's working. And then we kind of have an authentic, organic pathway that, that's created. Because I do see a lot of people creating content and that nobody's consuming, right? And I'm like, oh man, it's, it's great. But if you look at this one thing you did here, this had a lot of legs and people were stoked on it. Maybe you should lean into that. And I'm sure you've seen it some too, where people will blog and consistently do it over time, but not really pay attention to how the audience is reacting, whether it's a distribution problem or whether it's just content that people aren't needing at the moment, right? And that, that happens, right? There's lots of things. So I think to answer your question, it's doing, observing, editing, and then hyper-focusing, right? Wow. I hope all of our listeners are writing some of those things down because it's just such profound wisdom. And obviously, Seth Godin is a, a marketing genius. And yeah, I love lots of his concepts, but that whole 100 idea thing, because I, I see so many people, particularly with social media, they're just doing it in the hope that they'll get bigger. And some of my listeners have heard me say, like, uh, I think if you use social media to market yourself, it's really good. But if you get into the trap of consuming or just producing content without measuring it or checking back, like what you're saying, you're basically just throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I think so many people waste so much time and potential, even to the point where, you know, okay, okay I'm going to make a YouTube channel, but does YouTube really need another video on the pentatonic scale <laughs> or something like that? Like, don't we have enough of those? So, yeah, I, I think what you've suggested there is something that even our listeners could take on their own little challenge of just trying to do 100 days there and that important thing of reflecting and editing, yes. Now, let's talk a little bit more about Fonz because I know uh, not so much for the sake of promoting the platform, although from what I've seen, it's absolutely amazing. What I've read on your website as I was doing a bit of research was this really uh, profound quote that stuck out to me, your dream job shouldn't come with a catch. And uh, that just you know hit me in the chest that so many of uh, our listeners, guitar teachers, music teachers the world over, you know, they get into business teaching guitar, not generally as their main focus, but they have a skill for playing and they need an income and music doesn't always provide the most solid of incomes as we all know. Uh, so teaching is an afterthought and it's often something that we don't put our whole heart or effort into. And then, uh, you know, we don't give the best for our students, but some of us who do want to go that extra step and get more business savvy and build up our knowledge and our, our skills in those areas, we often end up with what's called the golden handcuffs where, you know, all of a sudden now we've gone from this little side hustle to this thing that consumes our whole life. So as you're, from your experience working with so many music teachers and other kinds of business owners, service business owners, you know, what mistakes do you see guitar teachers, music teachers making on the business side of things? Mm, well, that's a, that's a great question. 
I don't know if it's so much as mistakes or what I see a lot when I first, and I, I'm sure you see this too, is the, the, the one fundamental I always come back to is that my studio never, I was getting ready to leave guitar teaching in 2006 when my first daughter was born, right? When I was about to have a child because I was like, I have to get a real job now. And studio's going great, but I just can't keep doing this. And I, you know, a, a client of mine, a mentor said, you know, you have to double your rates, you know, and it just, no one's going to care, man. You're in Seattle, like just do it. And so I doubled my rates and over, and not only did none of my clients care, uh, and I was making a really great living, but I had a huge waiting list that I carried from then on. And that moment was very fundamental in my, you know, realizing like, wait, this is a great career. Like I love doing it. And I was like feeling sorry for myself. Like, oh, I'm a starving musician. When suddenly all I did is, and, and the, the realization is that our clients we serve are generally professional, right? They make good money. They want what's best for themselves or their children. They think of money different than I did as a guitar player coming up, right? And even though I came from an entrepreneurial family, I didn't internalize that. And in the moment that I did, all that was was marketing. I was making twice as much money and I had a waiting list 30 people deep. And then I started trying to find the glass ceiling of where my you know, what I could charge to do what I loved was, and all that did was grew my waiting list uh, and allowed me to do better work, allowed me to buy a house and raise my family and be very grateful for that and be like, oh my gosh, I'm not working at Starbucks. I didn't have to go off and, you know, I was so happy for it. So I, I think that it's, it's really a high level thing that as a, especially now, if you're a musician and you're willing to give that back, is it's, it's kind of our duty because the world's messed up. Right. And be like, oh my gosh, I can give your family something beautiful that will help your child navigate their teenage years and become happy. That's my value proposition is that I, my teenagers, they start studying with me in elementary school. We have an amazing relationship. I give them a safe place to grow up and play music with other people. They go off to college and they have great lives and become friends. I teach their kids. We're at that point now. And that's awesome. And people want to pay for that. So, I think it's it's less almost less business and more just understanding how valuable now and for the next decade we know this this career path is right we are the people kind of holding people together helping them get through giving them something to like to live for and it has immense value and they want to pay for it they 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 prefer to have what's they think to be high quality um people that are engaged and they're you know so it's a it's a real winning virtuous cycle Right, an artist gets to great to make make a great living. A parent sees their stu- their child thriving. They tell all their friends that their child is thriving. All their friends try to get in the studio. You raise your rates, and it just kind of keeps going around in a really authentic, cool way. So, and anybody that's into music that's put their heart and soul into it that cares about other people, you know, that works for them. And that's not every musician, but it's most of them. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a great calling. Yeah, 100%. And the fact that we can have such a big impact on not just the lives of our students, but on, as you've alluded to, the fact that when they have kids, if they've got these fond memories, this great relationship, then you're going to be first in line to impact, you know, the next generation and carry that on and have such a a huge impact on your community, which is absolutely amazing. And we as music teachers, we often, you know, neglect that. And I don't know about in America, but here in Australia, like if you're a musician, you you know, generally frowned upon uh, for any sort of career choice in here. And you know, if you go back thousands of years, the role of the musician within the court or within the community in some communities is absolutely sacred. Um, and I think, you know, we're a little bit out of touch with that, despite the fact that music makes up, you know, a huge part of people's identity. And it is a, it is a shame that in the current uh, climate, um, you know, music teaching is looked down upon as a, a profession or that the fact that music itself is often very taken for granted or, or devalued. But for those of you, uh, for those listeners who do want to raise their prices but are a little bit worried about it, do you have any tips or advice on how you sort of navigated the whole situation? My tip is a, is not to worry about it because I've I've you know I've literally spoken about this. I've seen thousands of people do it. Right, I've I've talked thousands of people at this point through this idea, and it works one hundred percent of the time. Right, and so it's the reality. If you value yourself, if you do great work. If you ask your community to support you, they're going to do it and you're just going to attract more people, right? Uh, and it doesn't ever 
not work. It always works. So I would say be bold. If you're nervous, the thing to do is you do it with you you do it with just new clients, right? Like say you're charging fifty dollars a lesson, and you're going to say, "I'm going to go to a hundred a lesson, whatever." And but and, and if you're terrified of losing that base you have, you just say, "Okay, I'm doing it for new students. I'm going to a hundred because I have to do this." And I've thought, you know, and and then what will happen is you get you start getting new clients. And you tell the first client, you say, oh my gosh, my lessons, you get all nervous, you sweat a little bit, you say, it's going to be a hundred. And they just go, okay. And you're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? That was easy. And then, and then before you know it, it, it irons itself out and you just keep, you know, you keep working to a place that you're comfortable, a place that you're happy. And the happier you are, the more clients you're going to get. It's just that simple. That's it. And when you go from, I guess so many people are frustrated with the teaching profession because they're not making enough money. So it's always this source of, uh, frustration for them, or they feel like they're undervalued themselves, or the, the simple fact that when they legitimately are failing to provide for themselves and their families, then you do have to go out and get a you know a real job, as you've said. But you know, teaching if you set your business up properly, if you value yourself, if you charge the right of money, it can be very financially rewarding. And you know, the whole premise of the six figure program is it's actually very very easy to make six figures. Uh, you know, teaching guitar, just so many people are unaware of it or. I've never taken the time to do the numbers and actually go, oh, you know what? This is actually a very viable career path and uh, I don't actually have to work for $40,000 to $60,000 a year uh, in a, quote, again, real job when you can actually live quite well and provide for your family and, in my opinion, give much better quality lessons when you are in a much more comfortable position in life. Absolutely. Yeah, and that was for me. That was my moment is when I broke that six-figure window, I was like, wait a second, my life's awesome. I'm like working like 35 hours a week doing something I absolutely love and I'm comfortable. And you know, there's the, we're musicians, there's an income quilt where you can still do gigs, you can do your recordings, but you don't, they don't define you as far, or they don't hold you back. You can be an artist, right? My wife's an actor. She can still do her industrial gigs and, you know, teaching is the path to be able to do that. And once you do, you can take a, whew, a deep breath. You can buy a house, you know, whatever, get health insurance, do whatever the things that, that, that have been stressing you out. And it's just a, a path forward, you know, to that, you know, especially now is we have a lot of data that we are collecting and analyzing and sharing with other firms. And we know that for the next decade, music teachers, academic tutors, anyone that's directly impacting people in a real fundamental way. It's just, it's ramping quickly, right? How they're being respected in society, how they're being paid, how their career paths are going. I mean, it's, it's a really interesting time. And we've been seeing, I mean, it's been happening for five years and it, the trend has not, I mean, right through the pandemic, it sure didn't slow down. Like it took everybody about a week to get online. And now everybody's just comfortable teaching online. You know, it's a, it's just been a really, it's been a really interesting time because we're starving for what we're doing right now, communicating with people, right? And what better way to learn it than teaching people music? Yeah. And it goes back to what you said earlier. In, in, if you can provide that communication, if you can have that impact on people's lives, then that makes all the difference in the world to them and then everyone in their immediate you know, area and relationships. And the fact that the lockdowns highlighted how lonely and disconnected so many people were and provided the solution that now you can teach anyone anywhere in the world any time of the day. <laughs> and uh, you know, the, the trend is going to come up as long as you can communicate, provide value, have that impact on someone's life. It's a huge game changer. And, you know, the next couple of years should be very, very exciting indeed. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's okay. Well, the great thing about it is you can be yourself. You know, you can be like an eccentric jazz player, you know, wear a beret or whatever and have a studio full of like old Fender amps and people will find you and really want to work with you. Right. And, you know, whatever your style is or whatever the thing you want to do, those niches are all there. There's plenty of people, you know, and my deal, I'm a, I'm a mostly one-on-one teacher and I do a lot of groups uh, where I get kids together and play or do bands or things of that nature or take them on events. But I was very aware of the fact that like, wait, the LTV or the lifetime value of a single student can be like 10 to $20,000, right? And if you have someone and they're showing up every week, Right. A, 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 if you give to a student, they're not going to leave. You know, generally my students come with me around fifth grade and stay with me through high school. Through the pandemic, most of my students didn't want to quit when they went to college, which I, was very weird because a lot of them were home. I wasn't prepared for that. And I had to figure that out because then I didn't have that natural cycle that I normally have of students going to college and matriculating and us becoming friends. 
half of them just wanted to keep studying, right? So although things are shifting, it's really easy or to be in the moment and to react to what's going on right now. If you come from a place of just being yourself and respecting yourself and trying to do great work. That's awesome. And that's something I think, you know, a lot of teachers uh, fear is the fact that that end of high school kind of deadline of we've, we're only working up to this time. So the fact that you are having students come back from that is just a great testament to the relationship that you build and the, the caliber of the lesson that you're delivering. Thanks. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a great gig. I mean, I just, I'm especially like, I'm so glad to be here because I'm really, I love guitar, you know, and I'm one of those people that like guitar was when I was a kid, my grandfather was a concert classical pianist and I had to play piano for three years before I could get a guitar. And I, and it was like, I was sitting in a recital with my grandfather there and I knew I didn't like piano. I knew that I wasn't good at it and I just didn't play my recital. And I was like, screw it. I'm not, I'm done. I'm just, I won't play anything. And I just kind of moped and I was like, and then I finally got a guitar when I was 13 and the guitar was kind of my, that was my lifesaver, right? That was my social currency playing in bands was how I made friends. You know, it was, it gave me so much and I just continued, I loved it through the rock and the shred phase and then classical was like what really challenged my mind, allowed me to, you know, travel and meet new people. So there, there's just so many great things you can do with it. And, you know, the guitar teacher is just such a, I, I'm sure you've had rad guitar teachers too, where they're transformative. You know, those are, they're a big part of your life. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I, I've probably had more guitar teachers than anyone or anyone in a similar position. We've all got the same one where we're always trying to find that one person who can help us get to the next level or or even just going, okay, now I need to learn this from over here. So being able to learn from a bunch of teachers, you figure out that, you know, some are really, they're all generally great players, but some are better teachers than others. And some just either know exactly what you need or can deliver the content in a way that just makes total sense. And they help you have that, that impact. And that's kind of, you know, why we have pop music generally is because we want to help our listeners and other guitar teachers and music teachers all around the world have more of an impact on their students, make more money, live more fulfilling lives and do better for their students so that, you know, I just hate to think how many Jimi Hendrixes and Eddie Van Halen's and uh, Pat Martino's or it doesn't matter who the player is, but how many musicians we've missed because they were stuck in piano lessons like you say yourself was and then you end up going, oh, no, this isn't for me, I don't like it. Well, they had a bad teacher who was just like, you got a sight read, you got a sight read, you got a sight read and then, you know, all of a sudden they're not interested anymore. So that's what we're trying to do here at Top Music. And uh, again, we want to connect with teachers like yourself who just seem like they're doing just wonderful things in their own little space there and, and helping their students. So I think we're on the right track from everything we've discussed so far. Awesome. Now I do want to ask about your music school because you've alluded to the fact that you still teach a bit. You're obviously juggling this huge, uh, you know, tech company, which is really, really taking off and we'll definitely dive a bit deeper into that. But so what does your personal teaching and your music school business look like at the moment? Well, right now it's really tough uh, because I am, very busy with work. And for me, teaching music right now is it's a passion, you know, and so I, I have about 10 or 12 students I'm currently teaching down, you know, I used to teach about 50 uh, that I'd see regularly. And it's, it's been distilled down to people that I'm just wild about seeing. Like, so every time I go out, I'm you know, into my studio to teach, I'm amped, right? These are people that I'm really close with. I've known a long time. I'm generally really close to their family. So Teaching for me as a different relationship right now uh, than it used to, uh, and that you know, and it wasn't until there's two two really interesting things that that occurred to me is you know when I started, I, I was ready to do something different because I was teaching 50 students a week, making a great living. But I mean, after like 15 years of that, you start to burn out, and I was like, I need to use my mind in a different way. And when I started Fonz, as soon as Fonz launched, uh, I was our very first customer. I'll always be our longest running customer because I was the first person on the platform. And interesting, my wife stopped running the studio like she used to, and it ran itself. So it was like proof of concept. Oh, this thing can run the business side of a teaching business, which is awesome. As soon as I, we launched and I didn't have any of the business things to deal with anymore, there was no more invoicing. Like with the, the whole premise of Fonz is you don't talk about money. It's like you set them up. It's like an Uber for music teachers, whatever your arrangement is. You never have to ask a kid for a check or for payment. I immediately miss teaching and realized how much I love teaching. And uh, so I kept doing it. And I didn't plan on keeping teaching, but it just kind of kept happening. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Business is running itself. I'm always going to have a steady stream of students coming in because I've been teaching in Seattle forever, right? And I'm kind of really in from, from it's all word of mouth and I'm, my phone's always going to ring. 
so I've just, it's been a source of great joy. And my, my best friend, the other piece to it, he, he was, he married uh, the granddaughter. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Curtis School of Music, but the Curtis School of Music is like, it's like the greatest classical music school arguably in the world. It's free. It's in Philadelphia. And anyway, he married the granddaughter of the founding cellist at Curtis. And anyway, he taught until his name was Orlando Cole. He was teaching at the Curtis School of Music until well past his 100th year of living. And I got to meet this guy at their wedding, and his spirit blew me away. And I was like, he was in his 90s, still on the faculty. People would go to his apartment study. And the joy, and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to teach forever, as long as I can, because if you've been doing it a long time, and you're, you see the impact of how it changes people's lives, and it really is cumulative over the years. Right. And so those two things really inspired me and they still do, which is, you know, it's something you can do till you drop over. Right. And you should want to. That's it. Uh, I think the, the really profound message there is just saying it's something you should want to do. If you're not into the teaching, yeah, try a few things. I'm sure doubling the money and the income you're going to get to make, going to make it a lot more enjoyable. But yeah, you've you got to be able to love what you do no matter what it is. I yeah, just, and, and I just patience. <laughs> Yeah, right. And, and, and I just can't believe you, someone was teaching over 100 years old. Yes, it's just, my mind, sorry, to distract from the podcast is just like trying to contemplate like the lifetime of knowledge they must accumulate and all the wonderful stories that they see and the huge family tree. I, I've, I saw like a funny meme of, of it was like a, a bit of a joke about someone seeing a therapist and telling their, their client about their therapist sees a therapist. So that's their grand therapist. And I was like, you know what? Uh, now that I have guitar ninjas and I'm doing the six figure program, it's like I teach the teachers and they teach other people. So I'm like the grand teacher. And I was just trying to do the math in my head of how many people he could have influenced over a hundred years, how many generations of people. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's, and the, and the audience that they reached, that their students reached. And yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And I think that's something that, again, as teachers, you often, overlook the impact that you can have on just one single person because if that one person we all want them to grow up to be rock stars that's like our, our you know the ideal teaching client is you get this one person who's an absolute shred lord they love it uh, and they go up uh, and become the next shred lord and you can tell from the moment they walk in that they're motivated and they want it but they're kind of like the easy students to teach like it doesn't matter if it was you or anyone else they would have probably would have gotten there or gotten really close but it's when you take someone who you know wasn't super into it or wasn't super motivated and then over a couple of years they grew that love and appreciation and you, you nurtured them just like a little plant and grew them into something amazing. Whether that was a professional musician or someone who just had a, a great hobby they can now use for the next 80 years of their life. Um, we, we don't want to forget or overlook that impact we can have on one single person. Absolutely. And what about, you know, for me, I think now my students are really into like the fact that I'm running a tech company and like my former students are all checking in because a lot of them work in tech now. We talk about it all the time. And it's like, we discuss the ideas of the fundamentals that we use to study music, how we, you know, break things into smaller pieces, slow problems down, uh, repetition, right? How we, how we, how we learned guitar is how we tackle life, right? And then it's like, it brings the whole thing together that music is life and that how we learn music is life. And those lessons can be applied to anything. And I think that's something that is a big part of what I try to teach. Uh, was that because I know that everyone's not going to be a professional musician, and that's not my thing anyway, right? If you wanted to be a you know professional, you know session guitar player, there's probably players that are better, uh, better suited to to teach a level or to teach that style of player, uh, and I refer them or and or you know co-teach. But the fundamentals that we learn are lifelong and can apply to anybody, right? Regardless of talent level or ability. Uh, you know, I've had some of my best students haven't become incredible players, but they've become good players and they've done really great things with the skills they learned by struggling to become a good player. Right. So I'm sure you see that too over time. Yeah. hundred percent. And some of the, sometimes it's just about having a student hang on for like, you know, five years and then all of a sudden they find that right spark of motivation and then bang, they just take off. And yeah, some, some people happen straight away. Some people are a bit of a slow burner. But eventually, if anyone sticks with it long enough, they're going to get it and they're going to get good. It's just I getting think you people... just made the best point of the day. Yeah. <laughs> As it, when it clicks, it clicks, right? That's a great point. 
And that's a concept I explained to all my students borrowed from Seth Godin. I think he's got a topic called the dip. And I often say, hey, guys, I draw this little thing up on the board and go, this is when you start guitar. And this is after a couple of months when the enthusiasm potentially wanes off. And then you get good. You don't want to quit at this point. <laughs> you don't want to give up at this point. We're just here for the ride. And I explain this to the parents saying, yeah, you know, he's coming in at five years old or he's coming up at, at seven or 10 or whatever. I say, normally it's around about 13, particularly with the guys, for whatever reason, the testosterone kicks in and uh, there's a few other factors other than just the music that gets them interested in playing guitar. But if you can just get them loving it and enjoying it up until this point, then they're going to take off. And even with the girls, this is going to be around about those teenage years when the, the, the personal influence of music, when music starts becoming part of their identity, that is when they start really sticking to it and picking it up. But if you've just had some passive practice up to that point where they're just being coasting, that's where all that naturally builds a solid foundation for them just to launch from. So, and again, it, it shouldn't be a rush. I say to my students, hey, we can take the scenic route or the fast lane. It's completely up to you. And at different stages of the journey, we might want to change lanes. So it, it's completely up to you. We just want to make sure that you're having fun from week to week. If you are frustrated, just communicate that to us and we can come up with a better way of going about solving the problem. But yeah, the only time you ever fail at guitar is when you give up or, you know, you give up completely. And there's nothing wrong with having breaks from time to time when you're frustrated. Sometimes you need that new perspective. But, you know, to anyone listening, your students, you just got to communicate that idea of the dip of don't give up at this point, just persevere a little bit more. And before you know it, you'll bounce back. And every, you know, every bit of hard work you put in now is going to pay dividends later on. Gosh, those are awesome things. You just, I love the idea about the lanes and you can switch whenever you want and taking a break. You know, people can take breaks too if they want to. They often won't. Sometimes it's just a week of coming in and talking about life. That's going to happen as the job of a, of a guitar teacher, right? Is sometimes you're going to have a lesson where there's not a whole lot of guitar happening, right? That, that's part of the, of the deal. And uh, I've had students come in before and say, my mom knows that we're not going to play guitar today. And then they'll unload on something about that could be music related or school related. I'm like, okay, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'm here. It's good. So it is a, it is a great journey. That's it. Like, you know, we've got to have multiple hats as music teachers. So sometimes it's got to be the therapist hat. And, um, yeah, I think the, the, a really early influence on me or, you know, a, a great early mentor for me with my guitar, guitar teaching was, um, a guy called Kevin, who is a psychologist that teaches guitar and he's got like 30 year retention on some of his clients because his lessons are, you know, obviously a mix of uh, therapy and learning how to play guitar, which is uh, quite an interesting combination there. Not that I think he intentionally sets it up to be perceived that way, but, you know, obviously you're there for your students and they confide in you things that are you know, absolutely wonderful. And the fact that you can build these relationships and build this trust, sometimes you just got to go, yeah, put away or put aside any expectations of we're here to play guitar today and just give the student what they need in that moment. And sometimes that's going to be counsel. Sometimes that's going to be advice. Sometimes it's just listening and not saying anything and uh, you know, moving forward from there. It's a very, very interesting, unique uh, position we have as guitar teachers. Yeah, you know, and I think, I think it's good to, I think, I don't think I've ever discussed this anywhere before, but I think it's important because you're talking about encouraging people to teach and especially musicians that maybe don't feel inclined to teach because it's a process because we carry a lot of emotional baggage from our life of being musicians, maybe living in a small uh, mindset of people saying, maybe not giving you the respect you feel like you deserve, right? Or being like, oh, you're a musician. These voices that go in our head that are that belittle us, that we carry, that whether they're on us, it's our mind that makes them, is that the, 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 in everything we've talked about, both of us all day has been about shifting the focus to caring about that person you're being with in an authentic way, right? Whatever it is, I'm going to hang in with you while you figure it out till the spark flies. I'm going to help you get a program to make you freaking shredding, right? So you can be, you know, the, the, the top jazz player in your town, whatever, whatever that thing is, win a, win a guitar competition, whatever it is you want to do. Um, it's anytime a human being can take the focus away from, because guitar, playing, being a musician is somewhat selfish, right? We do it because we want to be cool. That's why I did it when I was 13, right? And you, and you shift that into, and some of us are successful at it. I was, it worked great. But shifting the focus into other people feeling successful is much more gratifying, right? And if you can force yourself to practice that, it takes hold and then your life gets this meaning of helping other people live awesome lives through the thing that made your life awesome. Uh, and it, I think that's the thing that makes us want to do it till we're 100. So all those things both of us mentioned, they all fall under that category. 
right? Which is take, putting your ego aside and caring for people. Yeah. And to add on to that, I think the greatest uh, sort of satisfaction, you know, every guitar lesson I had when I was younger was magical. Just that the first moment I, you know, my, I, I remember to this day, I came into my lesson and my guitar teacher had the sheet music to Panama by Van Halen waiting for me. And I, I was like grinning ear to ear. That was like that. The feeling I got from that was amazing. And to be able to transfer that same feeling to other people, to share that passion, to ignite that little spark and, you know, and work out what makes each student tick and then give them that and create those same experiences. Yeah. That, that kind of what gets me going or, you know, fuels me is wanting to share that same sort of passion. And yeah, you can definitely still do music teaching for selfish reasons. Sometimes it's as simple as you need a job and you need money to come in for funding a tour. But hopefully you can transcend beyond that and see the impact again. That seems to be another word we've been using quite a lot in this conversation is, yeah, again, not to take for granted the impact you can have on people's lives and how if you transfer that mentality from me, me, me to giving to other people, uh, it makes a huge difference. And uh, I've heard dozens of gurus say similar things along the lines, but, you know, he who helps the other people get what they want gets everything that they want or things like that. The, the more people you help get what they want, the more you know money you're going to have come in or the better your reputation will get. So yeah, it's almost like if you are selfish, the best thing you can do is go out and help other people because it's going to come back to you tenfold. <laughs> That's that it's a selfish act in the end of the yeah, because it all reciprocates. That's awesome. 100%. Now you have mentioned Fonz a couple of times and let's talk a little bit about Fonz. So you've mentioned that you created it. What's, what, what is Fonz and what does it what do differently to all the other platforms out there that music teachers might be considering or already using? You know, well, I'll just be really brief. You know, basically Fonz is a, it's a, it's a, a, what we try to do is one, is we try to understand the psychology of music teachers, which is a lot of them are not super comfortable on the idea of business. So the point was to build a really powerful business tool that understood that and that also understood that their clients do understand a lot about business, right? So the goal is to, and is to create a way for you to get paid as simply as possible in an automated way where you set your clients up once, create an agreement with them, and you can do it multiple different ways, uh, all of which eliminate invoicing. You know, we realize that invoicing is like the number one thing that is a time sink that causes late payments. We eliminate all that by automating payments. You create a secure connection. You can, you know, for a touring musician, you can, and this is what I do right now, is it's like an Uber. A student shows up for a lesson, or say a, say a student has a lesson tomorrow at three, uh, they get a text message with a link to the Zoom link if it's going to be in person or online with a reminder outside of the cancellation window. So Fonz plays the bad cop. Fonz automates all the cancellation policies. And when that lesson's over, their card gets billed, just like an Uber, Right. And that's really powerful. We also use like a, a subscription base or a tuition style model, again, eliminating invoicing, all automated. And then we actually borrowed this from, it was actually a teaching guru from a couple years ago named Tim Gwilly. And we also see it in a lot of gyms, uh, which is prepaid packages of appointments that automatically recur. So we basically automate any billing model that can eliminate um, invoicing, be totally automated, apply an automated uh, cancellation policy and create a nice communication between the clients, which is the students or the parents and the teacher. And so, you know, our big value proposition is that we kind of cut out 90 to 95% of the admin tasks of what it would take to run a music school, right? My wife used to spend eight to 20 hours a week running our school. And that the very basic function of the app, I did it myself in like 25 minutes a week, right? So there was that. The other piece to it is that we did learn that and most schools that we go into now, like it or not, have thousands of dollars of unpaid invoices. Happens over time. Good clients go through a divorce. Uh, and I have zero dollars in unpaid invoices because the system automatically will remind people that their credit card declined or that the payment didn't go through for whatever reason. So the, the goal of bonds is to make scheduling and payments of a business very simple and to remove business from the lesson. Because I used to hate a parent coming into a lesson at the end of a lesson and me having to say with the kids sitting there like, Oh, you know what? You forgot to pay me for the month. Did you get the invoice? It just, it just felt so lame. And for me, Fonz was about removing money from the lesson, right. And creating something very professional and very simple. And, and that's what makes us different, right. Is that we're not, we don't do a lot like we don't have a learning library or we're not about, cause we know teachers are going to have their methods that are really good, right. You have your way to teach. 
This is a way to streamline, automate the business and say, okay, great. This school came in and two months after adopting and automating, they're making 27% more, right? And on average, a school will make between 18 to 25% more just by automating all their payment and eliminating invoicing. So that, that's the... Probably more information you need, but that's kind of the overview of what of what Fonz does. Yes, yeah, it sounds absolutely terrific. I hope uh, <laughs> you know a couple of listeners are salivating about the idea of that and uh, breathing a huge sigh of relief of never having to invoice again. And I can attest to the fact that probably if I had to put in my top three, you know, most effective things that allowed me to have growth, going to an automated pay system was hands down one of the most important ones because not only did it take a whole bunch of like, you know, manual labor of having to go through an, an invoice and, and all that, just all the headaches disappeared overnight, got rid of all the pain in the bum clients who, you know, were always late on payments because they basically said, I don't want to do that. And he said, all right, well, you don't have to anymore. Uh, see you later. And that opens up spots for, you know, clients who value you and your time and your knowledge. But the fact you didn't have to have any of those hard conversations say, hey, little Jimmy, you know, mum's late on payment for the third week in a row. Look, looks like you're not going to have your lesson next week unless you can fix that. The you don't have to be the bad guy. Like you said, it takes away, <laughs> it becomes the bad cop for you and uh, gives you that separation of business and lessons and just lets you focus on there. So again, for any of the listeners at home, if you're not on automated uh, sort of payment systems, you definitely got to get on those. And, and sounds like Fonz is a, a great little platform to get not just that, but a whole bunch of other things taken care of for you. Yeah. You know, and, and, and again, like you said, it doesn't matter any way that you can automate, because I know that a lot of guitar teachers I talk with, especially especially the ones you were talking about that are like making 30 or 40 grand or whatever and trying to figure it out and haven't quite got to where they, they want to get with it yet or they're on their journey. And they're like, I, I can't, you know, the credit card payments. And it's like, when this because when we first started, I didn't want to do credit card payments either. This was seven years ago. But the engineers and the, and the data scientists that we were talking to, are like, they're like, Branner, that's the best that's the best expense you'll ever have in your business. Like all the credit card companies are going to charge you a fee. That's life. But it gives security to your customer, peace of mind to your customer, and it allows you to make so much more and not have to do anything. Right. So it's like the, that is a huge mind shift when we're saying, I'm going to run a real business. I'm not going to like try to have half my students pay me cash so I can avoid that thing. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to automate it and grow it and create a real business. And accept what it takes to do that. That's like what you said. It is the singular piece to going from making thirty thousand a year teaching guitar to making one hundred and twenty. Right. As soon as you make that switch, you've set yourself up to succeed. And before that, you get stuck in this kind of rut. Right. And it's yeah, I've seen that hundreds of times too. And it's hard to break because it's like how are a lot of our teachers, guitar teachers, worked. Right. Growing up, so it's just different. Yeah. And you never, he's like the number one rule is never make it hard for people to give you money. <laughs> Just make it as easy as possible. <laughs> Obviously, how many users, if you can disclose that, that value or a rough ballpark of how many people are on your team was probably the direction I was going to head in, in terms of working at Fonz right now? Well, it's, it's really variable. You know, we are, gosh, we're just, we're, I think we just reached our 30 millionth dollar of transaction. $30 million of transactions that music teachers have put through the system, which is we're really excited about. And it's growing exponentially every quarter. So we're really excited about that. And our team, you know, it took, we had 15 people working on the platform. We started building it. And after we built, and, and again, this was a, you know, we were very lucky to have a very excellent technical staff to build the platform. And that's something that I'll just be forever grateful for. Uh, to where it was built, to where then we were able to have a much smaller team to maintain it and to continue to improve it. And then we were able to put all of our focus into a customer success team and a marketing team. And, and, that, and that's basically, again, a Seth Godin thing is that most of our marketing comes from investing in taking care of our customers, just the same way that I was with teaching, right? So we have a live team that will help give demos, help people get onboarded. And that's a, an investment we've made that's been, you know, as, instead of doing Facebook ads, we, we try to support our customers and hope they are delighted and tell other people about it. So that's been a really great strategy. Yeah. And, and speaking of supporting your customers, I, I noticed, or at least how I got discovered, either someone referred me or someone invited me to your community group, um, which is somewhere where there's a whole bunch of music teachers like myself asking music teacher problems and, and getting really, really awesome advice completely free. 
So do you want to tell us about how you went about building that kind of community through, through your Facebook group? Yeah. You know, we, um, Fawn's family started out as a way for us to get feedback and user feedback. You know, when you first launch any product or music school or anything, you're out there and you're hoofing it. You're trying to get a handful of customers to give you a shot. And that's what I did for the first year. I just cold calling, asking people if they'd try it. And then I was fortunate to get some really influential artists on the platform. And then they helped us inform it. And then their friends would, would join this group. And we have our, we, we, we build our group very judiciously. Uh, as far as people that are really serious about doing great work and contributing and helping. And it's just been awesome because, you know, that's how, that's basically what's steering the ship for how we build the platform now is people will say, I really need this. And we'll say, are you sure you need that? And then 10 people will be like, yeah, we need this. And they're like, okay, we'll go build it. So, and it's just, this can apply to a music school as well, which is just creating some way for your, your people to interact and to uh, be heard and to share their victories and their losses and to collect that data and then um, build from it. And I mean, it's, it's a really great recommendation for anybody that's teaching, right? Is to create a way to bring your students together for like a weekly jam, maybe. That could be your group or you could have a Facebook group for them to some way to build community. 100%. And did you have to go through any sort of uh, development? We kind of mentioned the fact you had a bit of mentoring earlier on in the call, but as you transition from being a solo guitar teacher to now running a team, what sort of development in your own mindset and practices and actions did you have to go through? Well, you know, I haven't slept much in the last, I mean, honestly, I've always been a grinder. You know, I love to, I was really into practicing four to seven hours a day. I grew up in the shred era. You know, it's like, I love, I'm, I'm wired that way. And we started Fonz. I came from such a place of ignorance that, you know, I just basically read and reread every business book I could, watched every YouTube video on, you know, tech startups and followed all those leaders. So, uh, you know, a third of my first four years of building the company was just self-study, right? And I'm a good learner. Like we're good learners from learning how to play music. So there was a lot of that. And then there was a lot of just mentorship of people that were, as we were building, people that we worked with and people that we hired that would come in to help us at critical moments, right? And to guide me, you know, whether it be a legal team or our lawyers, or our finance team, or uh, just someone who's like a really great consultant to come in to help with launching a new product. Fantastic. And yeah, I love the fact that if you can ta- transfer that, um, that grind kind of personality from your guitar playing to the next venture, and that was something which was really easy for me, which I found out was all I did was replace. And sadly, I definitely don't practice guitar as much as I, I would like to, or I definitely used to. But it was just like replacing that addiction for guitar and that desire to be the best guitar player I could be to be the best music school owner or business guitar business guy that I could be. And it was an easy transition. And the fact that you said, you know, if you can, you're already good at learning from learning guitar, you just got to swap in or substitute in the new thing and just go through all the same processes. As you said earlier, 20 minutes ago, guitar is life and we're teaching life and probably taking some of our own lessons (laughs) and then using that advice that we give our students for ourselves in whatever venture we do, we can get through. So in terms of the, the growth of Fonz, it looks like it's really, really taking off. Do you have any advice for people with their music schools if they want to experience massive growth in the music school or they want to get to that next level? What are some things that they should be doing? I think it's really situational, but I think it always comes down to fundamentals, which is, uh, is keeping a long-term or a long-tail philosophy of doing great work and making sure everybody has a tight vision for doing great work, being caring for other people, finding your niche. But I, I really think focus is huge. I mean, obviously, I, I honestly think if you want to compete with School of Rock or Guitar Center or whatever's in your neighborhood, doubling your rates is the best way to get your music school to take off. Like that is, I see that working all over, at least in the United States. That is a strategy that works very well because people uh, are preferring to go to a place where they think the, the teachers are paid better, where they, um, they assume the, the idea of perceived value where they're paying more. So they're obviously getting a better service. That's more, that's less franchisey and maybe more, more, more one-on-one, whatever, whatever that thing is. I mean, that's, that's been a, a, a really good growth uh, lever that I see in a lot of places, which is very simple, which is having the courage to charge a little bit more, put a little and, and give a little bit more back to your students, but then it's just ultra focus. And so in any marketing scenario, we have channels, 
right? You could say, okay, we're going to invest money in Facebook ads or Google ads. That's really tough. Um, Google ads can be really good if you're trying to ramp quickly and there are people that do them very well. Uh, but if you can ramp into, I would rather take, if I had to go to a 300 students from the 10 students I'm teaching right now, I would definitely go into the core of my student base. I would invest in them. I would create programs for them to bring friends. I would, uh, and I know that that's the best long-term way to get the kind of clients you want, right? Yeah, I have these great clients that are happy to pay me and tell all their friends about how great their, their child has done from working with me. You know, I, I think that the long-term strategy of doing great work will actually get you there more quickly than doing like, oh my gosh, we're going to hire this Facebook ads person, right? Because it's, I just don't see, I don't see other, I see some people doing okay with it, but I don't see people doing as well as they could as the people who are like you, who just freaking love it. And like, oh, cool. I'll do these group things. I've got this way to teach. I'm doing this. You know, that works, right? It's because it's real. That's it. And oh, there's so many things I want to, so many directions I want to go on on the back of what you just said there. First of all, for the listeners, if you need help with a Facebook ad, shoot me a message because um, on the back of the last three months, I've had over a hundred leads in my ads and I definitely want to give you some tips on that. Um, but you know, I, and this is personal experience, about two weeks ago, I saw that the Facebook ads had um, a personal coach that they give you to help you know on, on board you because they want you getting good results so that you uh, spend more money with them. So I opted for that two weeks ago and my ads absolutely tanked. <laughs> I stopped doing uh, Yeah. It was like, I took the advice from Facebook on how to run the ads and you know, everything actually absolutely tanked. And, uh, on, on Sunday, Sunday night, I, I went back to what I was doing, my, my own little formula and it, it's bounced back kind of thing. So, and for those of you who aren't aware, there's kind of like, you know, two schools of thought when it comes to advertising. There's like direct marketing, which is kind of like your Dan Kennedy, Frank Kern, all those kind of guys. And then there's kind of just like your corporate marketing, you know, put it out there. If people know what it is, they'll make a decision for themselves. So yeah, the, the Facebook coaches were all like, you know, just not, not direct response. I'm definitely a direct response fan. And uh, yeah, it was very interesting. And just keeping in mind that if you're going through Facebook, even if you're going through Facebook, they're metric of success is getting you more leads. If that's what you opt for, I want more leads. So they will get you more leads regardless of whether they're good quality or not. But uh, I think that was uh, just a little side note in there. If you need help with your Facebook ads, make sure you hit me up because I can definitely help with that. And you don't want to be paying an agency that's getting a cut, <laughs> an ongoing cut of something that can be set up once. And um, you know, I've definitely made that mistake uh, before. And um, yeah, big, big, big waste of money unnecessarily. But I like what you said about going, you know, doubling your price is the, the best way to compete against these commoditized school of rocks and guitar center kind of lessons. And one thing that I want to clarify is that there's a certain percentage of the market that will always go for the cheapest lesson. But there's also a certain percentage of the market that will always go for the most expensive lesson. And the vast majority of people are going to go somewhere in the middle. But one thing that definitely got me through lockdown was the fact that by being in the premium range, we're not the most expensive, but like my group lessons cost more than what most people's private lessons cost. The fact that all our clients were wealthy, were affluent, that had plenty of money, when there was lockdowns and no one was working, they were either working or they had plenty of money to sit on so they didn't have to give up guitar lessons. So another case for increasing your rates and, and upping your prices is the fact that when you have wealthy clients, they're less affected by you know, recessions and pandemics and lockdowns, and they're less likely to have you know, the, the same personal circumstances go wrong because they're in a better position of life to deal with them with the money that they have. Michael, that's that's exactly right. Oh, and, and you know, and I think it's good to piggyback off that to say because people, I, I the pushback I've gotten from this message, which is the same as yours, which is, well, that's really elitist or that's like excluding people, and that's the furthest thing from the truth because what it does is once you're making an awesome living and you've created an insulated, recession-proof business model, you know, like 2008 when the United States housing market crashed and our economy went through that major issue my business skyrocketed. That's when I blew up. That's when I had my best years and bought a house uh, because I had that insulation of the more affluent students. But I've also, because of that, I have time and energy that if people want to work with me, money's not a barrier. I can totally offer a reduced rate to people. I can create programs that are free or reduced. Uh, I actually do more giving back now 
than I was able to then because I, t- I, I put my, my parachute on, right? And that's something for me that I think is important for people because artists are so loving and caring that they'll often think, oh my gosh, I don't, I'm not taking rich people's money. I, don't want, I, I just want to help people that, that are in need. If you want to have people in need, create a business, like you're saying, that's insulated, that is safe, that's protected. That we, my wife and I call it the income quilt, right? We had 50 students, 50 families paying us every week. So if we lost 10%, something really bad happened, we lost 20%, we're still, we've lost 20% of our income. It's not like we got fired from a job. There's such an upside to creating a business model around what you're describing. Yeah, 100%. And it all just goes back to, you know, put on your own oxygen mask or your parachute before you put on someone else's. And when you do get to that better position in life where you're a lot more comfortable, where um, you don't have to worry about money, that's where you do your best work. And it's 100% true. When you're in a position to give, you can make it count so much more for, you know, when, when you're struggling for time or struggling for money, you're limited in what you can do. And yes, you can still help people. And sometimes it's almost seen as more noble, you know, when the poor are leading the blind or, or when you're giving what little you can have. But when you have more to give, you have more to give. <laughs> that's like basically what it is. And that's not to diminish anyone else's ability to give or, you know, the means by which you can. But if you can scale your business to the point where you're helping more people who are paying you, then you can, you've got more room for programs. A great little incentive that we're offering is the fact that you can do a roundup. So, our lesson prices are like, um, you know, or that previously were 197, 297, 397 kind of subscription packages. And we just say, hey, do you want to round up by $3? And every 10 people that do that, we sponsor someone to, for a free tuition from an underprivileged community. You know, we got 300 students odd. Um, that's potentially 30 people that we can fund for a, a free position in our school. So just off the back of everyone paying an extra $3. So a super simple incentive that you can, can make happen for the sake of, hey, do you just want to do a roundup? And I just got the idea from you know, the supermarkets, hey, do you want to round up this change and, and donate it to charity? It's like, oh, why don't we do that with our subscription and actually generally help some people that would otherwise not want to do that. Now, the more people I have paying me, the better that scales and the more people I can help. It's just a, <laughs> a simple mathematical equation there. That's awesome. Now, we are getting near the end of this one here. So uh, the last little question I want to ask you there, Eric, or the second last one before we, we do our, our, you know, our wind-up question is you mentioned making a lot of mistakes a little bit earlier and sometimes even the mentor letting you make a certain number before you moved on. What were some of the bigger mistakes that you made or not necessarily bigger ones, but the, the ones you learned the most from and could share with us in uh, music teachers listening here? Wow, that's a really good question. I, uh, looking back, a lot of mistakes are actually like now that I'm look, I, I look back at them, they were actually great learning moments. So I, a lot of them I would probably still do again. Uh, I think that I, I think doing the hard things is something that we have to learn how to do as a business owner. You have to be able to let people go that aren't effective or that don't, that don't line with your vision. And that's very hard to do. You have to be able to move in a different direction. And, and some people cannot do that effectively, right? And I think that as a leader is your job. And I think it's one of the hardest jobs for someone that's heart-centered like an artist, which is to say, hey, it's time for us to, you know, to part ways. And that's really tough. The, the other one, well, I'd, I'd say that's actually the main one, is, is making sure everyone in your team is in alignment with the people that work in your school if you're teaching uh, are people that you believe in them and they believe in you. Uh, cause you know, we, we've all seen the jaded music school teacher, right? Which is just, it's such a bummer. It's such a bad vibe and you, you're responsible for that vibe. And so if the vibe is not right within your organization, it's on you. And so these are skills that you need to learn. And that's where a coach can really help, you know, is to, is to, is to take that rot and to remove it. It's also in your person. You know, if you're, if you are going through a hard thing and being negative, you need help to, to stay positive, to put that smile on your face. You're a business owner. You've got to, you know, you've got to do the hard stuff. You got to eat the frog as they say. So I would say that's the big one is trying to put those things off. Fantastic. And if you could impart one final piece of wisdom upon our listeners, uh, what would that be? Uh, I would, I would say just to, you know, do that idea, you know, which is most people don't do. Right. So if you need help to do it, get someone to help you. But, you know, if you've got a great idea rustling around your head and you want is to start, you know, is to start doing uh, and because time goes quickly and results can come quickly over time, but it doesn't feel like it. So 
I think that's the thing is, you, is looking for an opportunity or having an idea and just forcing yourself into action mode, into trying something that's new or uncomfortable. Some really, really great advice there. And Eric, before we wind this one up, where can our listeners find out more about yourself, about Fonz? Uh, how can they connect with you online after this meeting? Uh, well, you know, the uh, Fonz family is our Facebook group and everybody's welcome to join that. It's not specific to anyone using the platform or anything. It's just a business support group uh, that's really focused on the business aspects of running our businesses. And anyone's welcome to check that out. Uh, I'm Eric Branner on Twitter. I actually, I really like Twitter a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter quite a bit uh, as far as doing business stuff. That's, that's a, a place I like to talk about the, the business side of music. So the, and Fonz.com. Fantastic. So listeners, make sure you write down those numbers. We'll put all those links out with the podcast and host it on our website. Eric, on behalf of the Top Music Guitar community, I wanted to thank you so much for your time today and for coming on here and finally connecting. I've had an absolute blast having this conversation with you. And uh, we'll look forward to our next catch up whenever that is. And uh, you're such a wealth of knowledge. Um, and guys, definitely join that Fonz community group. If you've learned a lot from Eric today, he gives out tons of gold nuggets. He just drops them here, there, and everywhere in his little private community group. And there's a ton of other great teachers sharing similar advice. And you know, it's such a great place um, in terms of birds of a feather flock together. All the music teachers with the same sort of problems, the same sort of dreams and ambitions are coming together in this one little place. And you know, it's a, a great community to be a part of. So Eric, congratulations on building such a wonderful business in Fonz on such an uh, awesome community around that, which may even be the bigger victory is the fact that you've got all those happy customers, whether it's customers or your guitar students. And I appreciate your time today on the Top Music Podcast. Thank you so much. Next time we can get together with a couple of guitars, I'd like to play with you sometime. So I appreciate you. This is awesome. hundred percent. Well, hopefully I think I'm coming to America towards the end of the year. So I'm definitely going to hit up a, a tour of a few places, but thanks once again, Eric. And for all our listeners at home, thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you like, you subscribe, you follow us on social media. And if you've got a guest that you want to recommend that we should check out someone doing amazing things in the music teaching space, then we'd love to hear from them. Send me a recommendation, michael at topmusic.co. And guys, we'll see you in the next exciting episode. Thanks so much. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.